Our guest this week is an author, professor, and marketing executive, but he is most interested in things and ideas that move people. He's the author of the book, Simply Put, Why Clear Messages Win and How to Design Them. So here to share with us the surprising power of simple messages, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Ben Gutman. Welcome to the Engaging Personalities Podcast. I'm Anders Belanger, founder and CEO of Engageify where we're on a mission to rehumanize business through engagement. We believe that we can all be more successful if we can command attention and deepen connection. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on a future episode. So let's get ready to engage. Ben, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Anders. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about simplifying and I was, I, I almost gave it away before we started recording and i kind of like don't want to like to let the magic <laughs> out of the bottle too soon so i had to shut myself up but uh from from my work working at trade shows for technology companies and i'm often introducing speakers from different companies who come in and then talk about technology the complexity is off the charts it is crazy and and so i i understand the need to simplify her communication. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad that's why you're here and why you why you wrote the book. Okay, before we get into that, though, can we kind of rewind and start at the start? And, and how did you come into marketing being a prof professor at Baruch College from all of that stuff? What how did you fall into this this line of work and and understanding why we need to simplify? Oh, certainly. So um, I, uh, I've ran a marketing agency for 10 years. It was a ton of fun. Um, I started in an old, in an old professor's basement uh, and we worked with the local camera shop, the local ice cream shop. Uh, and then bit by bit, we started to work with slightly bigger things. We got a bigger office, we got employees, we got more people, we have more clients. And then 10 years later, we're working with brands like the NFL and Comcast and all these, and I love New York and these great, uh, these great clients. And then one day we work, wake up and say, you know what, do I, I've done this for 10 years, so I want to do it for the next 10 years. And so that, mm -hmm. that was, um, you know, that was sometime around COVID a little bit after that. Uh, and we sold the business about a year ago, year and a half ago. And uh, since then, it's been, uh, I've been working on a number of different projects. The book is one of them. Uh, and the book is, is a big um, is a, a big piece of the book was, well, what do you hire a marketing agency for? A lot of times you're hiring them to tell the world your story and, and why it matters and then get them to do something for it. And so in the act of marketing every day, we would be doing, we would be answering this question, which is why do some messages work and others don't, but you don't really understand it until you're able to get take a step back and look at it and and uh, have the space afterwards and so after i sold the business that question still kind of nagged at me which is well what what what's what makes for effective communication be it marketing or otherwise marketing is just happens to be the industry that people hire to go to go tell people things but if you're an executive if you're an advocate if you're a teacher you have to communicate things in, in a way that that connects with your audience and so I began to look into that more and more and ultimately arrived at, at this, this foundation for what, what, what I wrote and simply put. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, I, and I have to admit, I have not read your book yet, yet notice the, the key, uh, word there, um, <laughs> it will be on my reading list. Um, so when doing your research, 
you know, what were, what were some of the key findings or what did you, you find in, in terms of, you know, well, researching simplicity or simple, clear communications? Well, it turns out that there's this really fundamental problem with how we communicate. There's this, there's this divide. So <clears throat> stripping everything else away, there are senders and there are receivers, right? Sender is an advertiser, advocate, leader, something like that. Receiver is the buyer, the voter, and the donor. Um, we all wear both of them. We all wear both of those hats. Even in the same conversation, we're sending and receiving back and forth. Uh, but I, I like to simplify it appropriately because it 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 gets rid of all of the things, the what about this, the what about that. There's senders and there's receivers. Uh, when we are receivers, we want to get information. We want to get communication in a certain way. Uh, and when we're senders, we're really unable to, to meet them there a lot of times. So this word that I kept on running across was fluency when I was doing my research. Mm. So you can be fluent in, you know, we know this word in our day-to-day -day lives, fluent in English or Spanish or Mandarin. You can be fluent in, in cooking or cheese or, or whatever. Wherever you're fluent, things are easy, right? It's flowing. That's the original like Latin root for the word uh, fluent. So... If you ask a cognitive scientist, though, about the word fluency, well, they're going to tell you it describes this entire suite of experiences where something is, in layman's terms, easy to take from out in the world, stick in your head and make sense of. Hmm. When, when it takes less work for you to perceive it and to process it, it's more fluent. Hey, by the and way, Ben, more fluent, th thank you yeah. for simplifying flu fluency for us, because <laughs> I've, I've come across that too, and it's like, you know, technical terms and jargon that's one of the places where things get away on us so uh, let me continue go, go oh, let 100%. You continue. oh yeah that's exactly and so so when when something is fluent when something is fluent we are more likely to trust it more likely to like it more likely to buy it all the things we want right as a marketer as anybody who has something to say we want those things the inverse is also true when something is less fluent when something is harder for us to to see to hear to process well, okay, less likely to like it, less likely to trust it, less likely to buy it. And that's obviously not the state that we want to get to. So as a receiver, we want fluency. But as a sender, internally and externally, we are battling forces that make us complicate things, that make us you know, add instead of subtract. We have an additive bias in our brains. Uh, it makes us hide behind kind of dense slides and add more stuff to satisfy a higher up or, or, you know, look good on your resume. All those things push us in one direction, but as a sent, as a receiver, we want stuff over here. So there's this gap in the middle. And mm -hmm. that's what I try to identify. That's what I've identified as the core problem of a lot of communication and then how to bridge that the research continues and we, we I've identified five design principles that we can use to help us get across it. Wow. That's great. And there's, I mean, there's so much to unpack in, in what you just said. Um, but let's, let's go from where can you, we talk about those five design principles because I yeah, think that seems to be the next logical place to go with this. Um, yeah, because, uh, well, anyways, I have so many things going through my head. All right, let's talk about the five and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack okay. other things in a bit. Absolutely. And so th these are, these are not a rubric. It's not a step-by-step. -step. It is, uh, I call them design principles because my background's in design, right? Designers mm -hmm. arrange things to solve a problem. And, and the problem is, well, we have something here, we have something here, and we want to connect the two of them. 
So the first one is beneficial. What does it matter to the receiver? What's in it for them? The mm -hmm. second one is focused. Are you trying to say one thing or are you trying to say multiple things at once? The third is salient. Or does your message stand out from the noise? Does it rise up? Does it stand? Does it come to your attention? Does it, does it contrast? The fourth is empathetic. Are you speaking in the language that the audience understands? Are you meeting them where they are, both in the language itself, but also emotionally, motivation-wise? That's the, that's the root of everything. And the last one is minimal. Have you cut out everything you don't need and you're focusing just on what has to be there? And so each one of those, the more you can activate on them, the better you're going to be about closing that gap between complicated and simple. Mm. So much of what I've heard uh, and learned and, and what I teach in terms of making slides for presentations, this really does resonate because there's so often you have people trying to put too many ideas on a slide, right? So that's lacking focus and it's not minimalism, right? Um, that, that would be uh, some of those things I see. Um, also, you know, some sort of chart or some sort of you know, schematic that just has way too much going on. It, and it's like what they always say, like an eye chart, right? It's just hard, hard to yeah. read. Um, so I want to, I want to dig into something that I think you probably talk about. And you, you did mention uh, the fact that what we think we need to say, right. And in terms of what marketing tells us to say, or, or put in our presentation, what um, maybe we have a curse of knowledge thing happening where we want to sound smart. Can you speak to, to some of those things and why we feel so compelled to like not simple, be simple about things and not be clear? Oh yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned the slides. I, I always like to say that slides are free, you know, use as many as you want, but make them simpler. Right. You know, because uh, sometimes minimal, by the way, we're not talking about the fewest number of slides or words or paragraphs we're talking about the least amount of friction. And so sometimes mm -hmm. that does mean more slides or more pages or more sections on your website. So that's one piece. But to answer your question about why do we sometimes feel like we need to complicate? Well, we often complicate when we feel like we're not measuring up, right? When we feel that we're, we don't know our stuff as well, when we're scared of what the response is going to be, when we're worried about our status. So there's this one study I came across, which I love. Uh, and I, I think it's, uh, I think it's it's a good kind of <clears throat> symbol of this example. So in the U.S., there's about 150 or so uh, international airports, and these these range from the big giant airports like here in New York, like JFK, with hundreds or thousands of flights a week, to the small ones like in Montana, where I visited my grandmother years ago, Great Falls International Airport, which just has one flight maybe to your, to your neck of the woods, right? Uh, in Winnipeg, the, <clears throat> the, these airports can be vastly different in scale, but they all call themselves international. And, and there's some sort of kind of status that comes along with that, right? Yeah. The, uh, these researchers, what they did was they looked at how do all these airports talk about themselves. And what they, what they found was that they broke it up into small airports and big airports. Uh, big airports would refer to themselves in their own marketing material on their website as international, as to say, you know, JFK International or JFK mm -hmm. International Airport instead of just saying JFK, they would refer to themselves about a third of the time, 30% of the time or so, they would call themselves international. 
But when you looked at the small airports, how would they refer to themselves most frequently? Well, 70% of the time, they call themselves international, right? So this the small ones can kind of give away their, you know, the, the story a little bit, kind of give away the plot by by using the 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 dressing of this complicated, of this jargon, of this big language. Uh, the same phenomenon happened when those researchers looked at, at universities, right? There are universities that grant a, a, a ton of, of PhDs. There are ones that only have a couple programs. The ones that only have a couple programs, they all call themselves university. But the ones that call that 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 do a lot, some call themselves universities, some call, call themselves a college or an institute. Um, and they're, it, it's, it's this difference between we think sometimes that the big language makes us seem really smart or like a big deal or like high status, mm, but often yeah. it, can, it, it showcases just the opposite. It's, it's a lot of posturing in a sense, right? Like just mm -hmm. this kind of uh, being over, yeah, overstating perhaps. Um, it, it reminds me a lot. We do a, we've done a lot of training of, of systems engineers, you know, in terms of communication and present presentation uh, tips and, and strategies and, and one of the things that I was taught by one of these systems engineers uh, at one of the technology clients is there's something they call engineeritis. And engineeritis, <laughs> and maybe you've heard of this, is that you always want to sound like you're the smartest person in the room. So that is how you communicate, as opposed to trying to sound, trying to be clear instead of clever, right? This idea of, of, of simplifying it down. So my whole thing when I work with those guys is like, why are you talking like this? Like, I remember one time there was a thing with, uh, with Siemens and they were talking about, uh, you know, um, basically uh, solar panel fields, right? Mm -hmm. And this guy was talking about in areas of high solar radiation. And I'm like, are you saying like the sunshine states or what are you talking about? Like, you know, yeah, just in sunny places. Just, yeah, well, yeah they, that's right. Like, let's, let's just talk plain language. Um, so that's built into us, you know, like that's kind of been wired into us. How do we overcome that? Is it like you just got to drill it into people? Do they have to get over themselves? Or what, what have mm -hmm. you found that helps people, you know, try to avoid that trap? Oh, I mean, that, and that's that's really hard, right? It, just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. It actually takes it because of all those things I talked about where our programming is and internally and externally pushes us in one direction. Every time we try to get simple, it's going to be work, right? It's going to take us the the blood, sweat, and tears of getting to that direction. Uh, there, there are a number of tools I, I somehow have in the book. Um, I, I think overall, though, it, it it's the most important thing you can do is talk to your audience. Uh, and this seems like the most kind of no duh thing for anybody in marketing to say is that, or in communications, is test your message you go talk to people go flag people down on the street call up a friend that works and that, that fits the target market of who you're trying to talk to um do a little do a little survey or focus group you don't have to spend a ton of money and time to do all these yeah. things people don't like to do that because they're scared of the results they're they're scared of the awkwardness of doing it and therefore they just kind of stay in their bubbles they just sit there and they say well i'm going to use that you know areas of high solar radiation because the other people in the room are are using that word instead of well who the hell are you talking to and what do they call this thing that that's right. uh that's yeah. the most important yardstick is respecting the receiver and speaking their language meeting them where they are yeah i, I mean i've i've found this be as being a trade show infotainer for for different companies where we're actually talking about their technology 
in an entertaining presentation, which happens to have magic and different interesting demonstrations, I have to dumb it down so I can understand it, you know? And so I sometimes yeah. act as a filter to then communicate it at a level that everyone can understand because I'm not going to go down those roads. Um, and the feedback that I've received is that uh, I had one woman come up to me at a, a network security conference that she was a spouse. So this, she was not in the industry and she went around to all the different presentations and she came up to me and she said, yours was the only one I could understand. Right. And so I praise, I, I, right? It's just high praise. But at the same time, there's going to be some people who go, well, well, she's not the ICP. She's not the ideal customer profile, right? Like she's, she's not in the industry, you know, and it's like, almost like we're, we're sometimes looking for reasons to be able to keep using our jargon, right. To, to kind of um, justify it in, in a sense. Um, but coming back oh, yeah. to that, that simplifying things, there is almost like a magic power or superpower to, to convey complex ideas in a very simple way. And when I see a good slide and I watch the people pull out their phones and take a picture of it because they'll be able mm -hmm. to explain it to their boss, you know, there, there's something so, so beautiful about that. Um, and, and I think people get paid a lot of money to, to simplify things, right? Just as kind of a, yeah. You know, that uh, kind of thing. So, um, what are some what are some other tips? Like, I mean, maybe everything branches out from those five key key findings. But are there other things mm -hmm. that we that our listeners can have as as takeaways to kind of like, oh, I got to watch that, or I got to watch, you know, watch myself, or, or a sense of awareness. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I I think uh, you're right when you do some see something that is so just dumbfoundingly simple and and gets it. It just sparkles, right? Like it 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 sticks with you in a way that the, everything else that you heard that day just doesn't. Uh, I I tell the story sometimes of I have I've had bad luck with my teeth. I blame my genetics, uh, but I go and I was at the dentist one day, and you know he's digging away in there doing whatever terrible thing, and but he says you only have to floss the teeth you want to keep. You oh, only have to. I'm like, yeah. well, boom! Immediately I got it right. I I never. I never missed a day of flossing again after that, right? You only have to floss the teeth you want to keep. That shows both kind of saliency because it's a little bit different. It's not what you're expecting to hear from the dentist, but also mm. it's, it's empathy because he's meeting, he's understanding who I am, what I need to hear, kind of the the, the language that, I, that I'm going to speak in. And uh, it's something that has stuck with me, you know, for, for years and years since then. Um, but, you know, if you, if you do want another, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I heard that yeah. term before, but it was through, yeah. it was Zig Ziglar, the, the speaker. <laughs> and, and of course he said it, uh, in this kind of like only floss the teeth you want to keep, you know, and it's not, and, <laughs> but he was talking about uh, dental health care. <laughs> he was just talking about habits. Right. Um, but, um, that does cut, cut right to it. Uh, what was that? What was the next thing you wanted to say? I, I was just going to say what, one other, one other kind of takeaway, uh, if you want a quick little shortcut uh, and there's there's a number of these i i, I put in there uh but th this one i think is is top of mind for me because I, I saw did you see uh the taylor swift uh concert movie the eras tour that she did recently? i have not seen that yet uh, no <laughs> so uh I, I i like her sort of uh my wife's a big fan so i went along with her uh i'm not as big of a fan as her but i i, I appreciate uh sure. her music and her songwriting but what she does better than anybody else, and the only other person that I have seen that does this maybe to the same uh, level of, 
of expertise is possibly Bill Clinton, actually, who she is able to, in a stadium of 70,000 people, make every single person feel like she is speaking directly to them, that she's the that it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. She's not speaking to a crowd. She's speaking to one person. And Bill Clinton famously did this a lot when he was campaigning back in the 90s. Uh, and but Taylor Swift also is able to do this transcending through kind of space and time on like a movie theater. You know, it, months later, thousands of miles away, I you know, she's in the theater there and every single person in that theater felt that both the cut lyrics, obviously, but also like kind of the, the introductions, the banter that was directed to one person. Uh, and that is the other big secret here is don't speak to a crowd because a crowd doesn't really exist. Um, a crowd, mm. yes, there can be lots of people, there's mob mentality, all those different psychological things. But for the most part, when you're making your decision about do you like something, are you going to vote for somebody, are you going to go buy something, doesn't matter if the commercial is being blasted to 100 million people at the Super Bowl. It's You're making that decision in your own head. It's one-to-one, -one, right? It's from that sender to you individually in your brain as a receiver. So the more you can write and speak and just advertise and, and present to one person, the more effective you're going to be. So, so Ben, that, that makes me think that, you know, is, is intimacy, because there is a sense of that, right? With the way that Taylor Swift's communicating, um, Bill Clinton, you know, again, you're, you're thousands of people, but you feel like you're one-on-one -on -one with him. Um, does, would you, I don't know how to put this, but does, making something intimate simplify it or are we talking about different things or does simplifying make it more intimate i don't know but that's interesting I, I i haven't thought of that angle i do think that there's certainly some overlap to that i think that um i i think that there's there's definitely there's definitely momentum in both directions right you know simplicity is going to feel like it connects deeper to you so therefore, automatically, it's going to be a little bit more intimate, but then also mm -hmm. something that is going to um, appeal to you intimately is um, is likely going to feel that way as well, too. So I think there's um, I think there's there's some really interesting uh, connection between those two ideas. Yeah, uh, there, there's something else that I wanted to bring up, too, was that uh, in, in our research and we we're teaching, you know, engagement uh, strategies and trying to get people to you know watch you and listen to you and then you know build that connection um one of the things that i saw and, and correct me if if you found better better research than this is that you know our brain is only two percent of our body weight and yet it consumes something like 20 percent of our energy so your brain is very selective as what it uh, uh, pays attention to and then there can be i think the terms cognitive backlog which again, could be simplified down to, to overwhelm. Um, but is it, was that something that you, you, you came across too, that you know, if, if things are too complex, we just stop paying attention altogether? Is, is, oh, is that absolutely. Is that so <clears throat> we evolved in a world where a lot more things wanted to eat us than, than today, right? And so yeah. we, in many ways, we, we evolved to, to notice a lot of things that were different and that stood out, but also to quickly you know, put them in and discard them, right? If it wasn't relevant to me, if it wasn't something worth my attention, which is an incredibly finite resource, it immediately gets tossed by the wayside. We don't record things like a, 
like a camera. A few people do. There's there's actually a couple known disorders where people have or injuries people have had where it does create this effect of somebody having you know effectively photographic memory. <clears throat> but you know it's it's not an enjoyable experience. Whenever you ask those people and look at their interviews, that <clears throat> they end up having a very kind of painful uh, mm. lives because we're meant to forget things, right? So it's not yeah. it's not a bug. It's a feature that we that we forget a lot of things. And so that, that being the case, we have to, if we're somebody with something to say, we have to connect it to what somebody's existing motivations are. Uh, and that's when I talk about kind of beneficial is it's the kind of sales 101 features versus benefits, right? We don't want the features. We want the benefits. We don't want the thing. Mm -hmm. We want the thing does for us. Um, and when we put that lens on, well, then we can much more clearly see, okay, where, where, where can we where can we actually connect with our audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I wonder when you were writing the book, did you f catch yourself at all not being as communicating as clearly <laughs> as you possibly could? Because I, I, I have to admit, when I was putting together some trainings during the pandemic, we were teaching engagement, um, was I had this big acronym. Well, it was a big, long acronym. And my first S <laughs> in the acronym was was for simplify. And I went, Oh, crap, I got to make this shorter, right? Like, it was like, I wasn't even following my own, like, you know, thing. Um, did you um, did you have that experience um, yourself? Oh, my God, uh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I would never recommend anybody writes this type of book. Uh, I enjoyed writing it. But <clears throat> it is, it, it puts you 100% on the burner at, at all times, in both the book itself, in stuff like an interview, uh, and in whatever else I do on the web or on social media, um, I have to, I have to take my own medicine, right? And yeah. so, in particular, when I was looking at like the cover, the title, the subtitle, the the text in the back here, it needed to be spot on because if I was not yeah. fulfilling my promise in this piece, well, then why would you trust me for everything else? So mm -hmm. this is like the one book you kind of like should judge by its cover a little bit, right? Um, <laughs> And I also, I cut this off at the pass here in the beginning. The first sentence in the book is, you know, look, I fully understand the irony here. I've wrote a 208 page book about how to keep things simple. Right. Sounds like I didn't take my own advice, right? But yeah. as we've been talking about, the why is really deep and the how is surprisingly is surprisingly hard. So mm -hmm. that's where we get those other 207 pages. If it's just enough to say, hey, say things simply, then, then don't buy it. I mean, then don't read it. That's enough. But if you want to go into the, into the uh, process, into the science, that's, that's what I tried to capture here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that you uh, held yourself to account because I mean, it's easy <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to not, you know, make those moments of truth that you, you so cared about. Um, hey, thanks so much uh, for coming on on the podcast, Ben. Um, where where can people reach out to you? Let's let's talk about the book. Where can they buy the book? Amazon, I'm going to guess. What, you know, anywhere you find good business books. Oh yeah, thanks for having me, Anders. This has been a total blast. Uh, yeah, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes Noble. Uh, if you go to my website, bengutman.com, there's two T's and two N's in Gutman. Uh, there's links there to all the other retailers that have it. Uh, there's also a free chapter download that I put together. You can go find that there and, and sign up. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn, sign up for my email list, all these things, and just reach out if you feel like there's this has been helpful or there's something else that you have a question about. 
Well, I know I'm going to actually order it right after we get off. And because uh, I, <laughs> I, I know I'll get something out of it. Um, and I struggle awesome. <laughs> keeping things simple myself. And I, I try to think I'm good at that, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a struggle. So uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, I appreciate your time and, and sharing with us how to uh, be more clear with our communications. Awesome. Thanks again, Anders. All right. And to all our listeners, I hope you learned something here from Ben. And until next time, stay engaged. Thank you so much for listening to Engaging Personalities. If you believe this world needs more engagement and you're an industry leader or you have an interesting take on rehumanizing business, go to go.engageify.ai slash podcast hyphen guest to apply and come on the show. If you got something out of this interview, do you mind sharing it on your social media? Just grab a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag engaging personalities. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, engageify.ai, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and stay engaged. Stay engaged.